David, good evening, church. Nice to see you all tonight. My name is Paul, if I haven't met you. I'm going to pray for us as we come to God's Word tonight, so please bow your heads and pray. Oh Lord God, how good it is to gather under your Word, which is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. Lord, please give us eyes to see wonderful truths, ears to hear them clearly, Lord, please give us minds to understand and wills which are longing to live obedient lives. Spirit, have your way here tonight as your word goes out. In Jesus' name, amen. What a very uh, simple question tonight. Uh, the God of the ages. Here's the question. Do you believe the God of the ages is a God of blessing? Think about it. Do you believe that the God of the ages, your God, is a God who longs to shower you with blessings? The Lord Lord Jesus said it in John 20, blessed are those who have not seen but believe. What he's saying there is is blessed are the people who haven't actually seen the the physical body of the Lord Jesus. We, We haven't touched his hands or his side like Thomas did, but we do believe. So we trust that Jesus is the Son of God. We trust he died for our sins. We trust the tomb was empty. And according to God's word, we are we're blessed. Blessed are those. It is Psalm 1, blessed is the one who doesn't walk in the ways of the wicked, but delights in the law of the Lord. Those who devour the word of God, the claim of the Bible is you are blessed. It is Ephesians chapter 1, that in Christ, you have every spiritual blessing. If you're here tonight as a believer in Christ, you have that blessing that you are loved by God, chosen by God, redeemed by God, restored by God, adopted by God, that you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you. They're all the blessings that you get to enjoy in Christ. It's the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are me. What's the blessings? You'll be filled, you will be comforted, and you will inherit the kingdom of God. That is the blessings. Friends, if you're a Christian, the Christian life is not a boring life. It's a blessed life. It's not dull. It's a delight. It's not mundane. It's supposed to be miraculous. Because your God, the God of the ages, he wants to shower you with his blessings. He really does. He, he longs for you to go through life with your eyes open, expecting, expecting to see God at work in his world and in your lives. That is the God of the ages, the God of blessing. But what does it mean to be blessed? That's the big question. What does it mean to be blessed? If you hop onto Instagram, there is... A hundred million hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. Now here's the problem. Every hashtag blessed has a beautiful person in a beautiful place with a beautiful body. And there's a beautiful sunset and there's a beautiful beach. There's a beautiful house and a beautiful pool and everything is hashtag blessed. And what that communicates is that, is that blessing is always where everything is Beautiful. But what about when things are not beautiful? 
I don't see so many hashtag cursed. Hashtag not so blessed. Because the world sees blessing as just when everything is good, as though God cannot bless you in the dark, difficult times of life. So this is blessing. This is the biblical definition of blessing. To be blessed means to live under the favor of God. To be blessed means to enjoy God and experience security and satisfaction in Him. To be blessed means to live expectant of God's perfect provision, His soul-satisfying protection, and enjoying His deep peace. That is hashtag blessed. Protection, provision, peace, security, satisfaction, enjoying God, experiencing God, this deep in your gut joy when you follow Jesus. That is to be blessed. And our God wants you to be blessed tonight. That is Deuteronomy 27 and 28. Choose blessing. Choose to enjoy the favor of your God. If you just join us, we're in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is, are the last sermons of Moses. Moses is 120 years old, and he's still preaching up a storm. Uh, the, the, the people of God are on the edge of the promised land. They've been wandering for 40 years. They're about to step into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, abundant provision, abundant water, a blessed land. Uh, this is an overview of Deuteronomy. Chapters 1 to 4 is Moses' first sermon what God has done in the past, lest you forget, don't make those same mistakes. Chapters 5 to 26, what God is doing in the present. Moses' second sermon, how to live now under the holiness of God, to worship God, to love God, to be just. And then chapter 27 onwards is Moses' very last sermon ever. And it's all about what God will do in the future, the blessings you can enjoy in this land, if only you would obey. So, two simple words tonight belonging and blessing. That's it belonging and blessing. Because belonging is first, because blessings always starts with belonging. The foundation of blessing is your identity, your status, your belonging. Blessing is not just about what you get. It's who you are. Look at 27 verse 9. Moses and the Levitical priests said to all Israel, Be silent, Israel, and listen. You have now become the people of the Lord your God, so obey the Lord your God and follow his commands. That's the identity. They are now the people of the Lord their God, because Yahweh has redeemed them with his mighty hand. Yahweh has loved them. Yahweh has chosen them. And Yahweh has said, you are my treasured possession. Chapter 26, verse 18. That is who they are. So blessing is not just material stuff. It's your relational status. God's people need to know that they completely belong to God. And church, I think we do too. You need to know your status, your identity. I really believe the devil is desperate for you to forget who you are in Christ. 
that he whispers in your ear, Paul, does God really love you? Paul, you're not really chosen. Paul, God is not really good. And he wants to rob you of that blessing of your joy and your security and your satisfaction in Jesus. They are God's people. How do they know they're God's people? Because God has made a promise with them, a covenant. A covenant is like an agreement, like a contract. When you buy a car, you might take out a loan and you sign a contract. Now, you get to drive off with the car and enjoy the car. But every month, you confirm that contract by keeping your bargain, by making a payment, saying, yep, I'm still in. Now, God made a covenant, an unbreakable contract. He made one back in Eden with Adam and Eve. Obey me, you'll be in the garden, disobey me, out the garden. He made with Abraham, with Isaac and Jacob, a people, a land, and a blessing. But every time he makes a covenant, there's always these terms and conditions. You ever bought an Apple product? And you get these massive terms and conditions that no one ever bothers to read, and you all scroll down and just say, I accept. You haven't got a clue what you've accepted. Now with God, I love this about God, there's just one terms and conditions, just one. Just one word. Here it is. Obey. That's it. That's all he asks us to do is to obey. 27 verse 1, keep all the commands. 27 verse 10, obey the Lord your God and follow his... That's all he wants us to do. Live my way, do the right thing, obey my word. You could say belonging means obedience. You can't claim to belong to God if you refuse to obey him. Like a child who claims to love their parents but has no intention of doing what they ask. Now, now, I love this about God. God wants to make life as easy as possible for his people. And so he gives us these two signs. It's called the word and it's called worship. There's bizarre verses in chapter 27, verse 2. When you've crossed the Jordan into the land the Lord your God has given you, set up some large stones and coat them with plaster or limestone. All the buildings in Jericho were covered in limestone. Plaster them and verse 3, write on them all the words of this law. I think we're supposed to imagine kind of a stonehenge. All these massive stones covered with the word of the Lord. Now what is this words of the law, verse 3? What are they supposed to write down? It could be the Ten Commandments. That would be easy. It could be the, the blessings and curses of chapter 28. That would be a bit more difficult. I think he's asking them to write down the whole of the law. The whole of Deuteronomy. And just before you think that's not possible, in the British Museum there's actually one stone, one plaster-covered stone. It's got 8,000 words on that one stone. It is possible. And we're supposed to imagine the people of God writing out these laws on these stones by hand. Can you imagine that? There's no computers, no, no, no cut and paste. No scanners, no printers. They sat down and they scribed word for word all the words of the law. And I reckon that's the lost art today. Now, with computers, we never handwrite anything. But when you write it by hand, it sticks up here in your mind. 27 verse 8, And you shall write very clearly all the words of the Lord on these stones. They are visible, they are available, 
Every time you see these stones, you're supposed to say, that's right, this is who God is, this is what God wants from me, this is who I am, this is what God's promised me, these are the blessings, these are the curses. So if you belong, listen to the word of God. That's the word used in in verse 8, verse 9 rather. Be silent, Israel, and listen. That is the attitude of God's people sitting humbly under his word, listening to God. I want to add, don't argue with God. Don't add to God's word. Don't arrogantly think you know better than God. Tremble before his word because without obedience there is no blessing, but for obedience you need to sit humbly under the word of God. Belonging to God is, is going to mean that you will cherish his word, that you will devour his word, you'll memorize his word, you'll know how he wants you to live. I remember as a new Christian 30 years ago, those first two years as a Christian were so wonderful. And I devoured the word of God. And I had journals, I scribbled in margins, I had more highlighted colors you could ever imagine. And I have to say, I don't regret a single moment of that. Because I I was growing in my knowledge of God, and I was walking so intimately with God, and I was experiencing his blessings, this joy, this peace, this provision, this protection. I want to say, church, it's impossible. It's impossible to obey God if you've never spent time in his word. So how are you going with that? Maybe that's one reason why we're not experiencing the blessings of God like we could or we should, because we're just not sitting at his feet and listening to his word. It's about word, it's about worship. God says set up stones for the word and set up altars for worship. Verse 5, build an altar to the Lord your God, altar of stones. Verse 6, Build these altars and there offer burnt offerings. So you approach God with reverence and awe and you offer a sacrifice for the atonement for your sins. Verse 7, you sacrifice fellowship offerings as an expression of your joy. This is a picture of worship. They, They approach God with awe and reverence saying, we are your people, you are our God. And I love the picture of worship in verse 12 onwards. It's loud, it's corporate. And just so you can understand these verses, uh, in the land, a bit of geography for you. When you enter the land, there are two mountains. In the north is Mount Ibal, and that's a barren mountain, a dry, dirty mountain. In the south is Mount Gerizim. And that's a beautiful mountain. It's luscious. It is bountiful. And in the middle between these two mountains is a place called Shechem or Sikor, where Jacob's well was, if you know the story of John chapter 4. And God says, when you go into the land, half the tribes are on the beautiful mountain and half the tribes are on the barren mountain. Blessings and curses. And I love how visual God is. On the beautiful mountain shouting, blessings are Simeon, Levi, Judah, Ishikar, Joseph, and Benjamin. And I hope you get this. These six tribes are all descendants of Rachel and Leah, Leah, who are the legitimate wives of Jacob. The legitimate children are shouting blessings on the beautiful mountain. But on the barren mountain, 
is Gad and Reuben and Asher and Zebulun, and they are all sons of the illegitimate wives of Bildad and Zilpah, the maidservants of Jacob. And God is saying very visibly, if you disobey, it is barrenness. If you obey, it is beauty. I want to give you blessings, not curses. And in the middle, uh, verse 15, are these, these priests who are shouting in a loud voice, Cursed is anyone who makes an idol. Cursed is anyone who worships foreign gods. And all the people say, Amen, that is right. Verse 16, Cursed is anyone who dishonors their father or their mother. And we say, yeah, that is right. It is not right to disrespect your parents. It's not right to rebel. You might add, it's not right not to care for your aging parents. Verse 17, cursed is anyone who moves their neighbor's boundaries to Yeah, that's not right. Amen to that. It is wrong to steal property from your neighbor, steal their land. Verse 18, cursed is anyone who leads the blind astray. Of course that's not right. Exploiting the vulnerable, oppressing the disabled. Amen to that. Verse 19, cursed is anyone who withholds justice from the foreigner, the fatherless, the widow. How dare they do that? Oppressed, the marginalized, the poor, the needy. Cursed. Verse 20 to 23 is anyone who is sexually immoral, sleeping with your stepmother, or with animals, or with incest. That is not right. Cursed, verse 24, is those who murder. And, and you read these lists of curses, and we hear all these terrible sins, and we want to say, yes, amen to that. That's the phrase. And all the people say, amen. And it struck me this week that in the evangelical world, we, we love that phrase. And all the people say, Amen but I've only ever heard it used of a positive thing. You know, the worship leader says, just to remind you, church, that God will never leave you and God will never forsake you. And all the people say, amen. But when was the last time someone stood up and said, cursed are those of us who do the wrong thing? Cursed are those of us who commit horrible sins. And all the people say, that is right. And it is right. It is right. Because our God would not be good and would not be glorious if he allowed wrongdoing to go unpunished. If you claim to belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, you've got to know what is right and what is wrong. And when the word of God is read, you should be saying amen to that. And when Ephesians is read, it always gets me every single time. Get rid of bitterness and get rid of anger and get rid of hatred and get rid of malice. Say, yeah, that is right. They're things I struggle with. It's the heart of God. He, his people belong to him. He wants them to be blessed. But it's a very important word. One small word. It's got two letters, I and F, if. See that word, 28 verse 1? If you fully obey the Lord your God, then you'll be blessed. If. If only, Israel, you would do the right thing. If only you would walk in my ways. I'm longing to bless you. However, verse 15 of chapter 28, if you don't do it, then you'll be cursed. So friends, here's chapter 28 in a nutshell. It is blessings or it's curses for those who belong. It's blessings or it's curses. 
And God says, you choose. It's your choice. And God is like a parent who lets their children own their mistakes. He doesn't wrap them in cotton wool. He allows them to live with the consequence. That is good parenting. And God says, okay, Israel, do you want to be blessed? Or do you want to be cursed? You, just, you choose. Because I hope you know that God is good at doing both. If you want blessings, and God wants you to have blessings, if you want blessing, a simple term and condition is that, obey. Just obey. 28 verse 1, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow, if you walk carefully in his ways, now here's the blessing, it is so beautiful. God says to his people, I, 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 I will set you high above all the nations on earth. He's saying to Israel, amongst all the people, you'll be seen as this glorious, precious people. They'll say, wow, look at them, I want to be like them. That's the blessing. Love verse 2 of chapter 28. Look at it with me. All these blessings will come on you. And the word there is, will jump on you. It's like you can't escape blessing. We're supposed to have a picture of a you know, torrential downpour. You ever been a torrential downpour and there's no umbrellas anywhere? And you, you can't help but get wet. That's the picture here. If you obey, you can't help but be blessed by God. He wants to shower you with blessings. In verse 2, they'll come on you and they will accompany you. Or, or the actual word there is overtake you. That's the way it's translated in verse 15. God's blessings will overtake you. I love that. He's saying you can't outrun the blessings of God. Remember Psalm 23? And God says, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And our modern song says, uh, your, your, your goodness is running after, it's running after me. That's the picture here. God's blessings are running after us and running after us and chasing after us. If only we would obey. An outpouring of blessings for God's people. Verse 3, they'll be blessed in a city and in a country. Verse 4, God will bless their family and their crops and their herbs. Verse 5, he'll bless their food. Verse 6, he'll bless them when they come in and when they go out. Wherever they are, they'll be blessed by God. If they obey, verse 7, he'll bless them with victory in battle. If they obey, verse 8, they'll be blessed in their barns and whatever they put their hand to. Uh, verse 10, if they obey, then all the peoples on earth will see that you're called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you, they'll revere you, they'll be in awe of you, they'll respect you. Verse 11, if they obey, the Lord will grant them abundant prosperity, crops, children and cattle. Verse 12, if they obey, God will open up the heavens and send rain and they'll have a bumper harvest and economic success. It's his picture of, of fruitfulness and productivity, and reputational blessing. And that's what God longs for his people. The tone of chapter 28 is, is a father who loves his kids so much, he just wants them to be content and successful and overflowing with blessing. If, if, if only they'd obey. So when God's people obey, they're just dripping with all these blessings. But the next word, verse 15, is a horrible word. But, literally, but. 
We turn a negative corner. If you don't obey, if you choose to ignore God, I don't want you to do this, Israelites, please. I don't want to curse you. Please listen. But I will. If you don't obey, then verses 15 to 19 are the exact opposite of verses 1 to 6. Cursed in a city, cursed in the country, etc., etc. Now let me be clear here what that word cursed means. Cursed is not an angry outburst by a bitter person bent on revenge. That is not God. Our God is not vengeful. He, he is loving. He longs for his children just to wake up and come back to him. He, he curses them so they will say, this is not right. But these curses are from God. See that verse 20? The Lord will send on you the curses. Verse 21, the Lord will plague you with diseases. Verse 22, the Lord will strike you with wasting disease. Verse 24, the Lord will turn the rain of your country into dust and powder. And verse 25, the Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. So all these curses are from the hand of God who must punish disobedience. Otherwise, he'd be a slack parent. You ever met those parents who say to their kids, kids, anything goes. Do whatever you want. You choose your own adventure in life. Go to bed. Whatever you want to go to bed. If you want to go to school, go to school. If you don't want to go to school, don't go to school. You, you, you just choose. That type of parenting never, ever ends well. You always end up with arrogant, obnoxious, messed up kids. But these curses are from a God who's saying, please, please, please come back to me. And if you read chapter 28, you'll notice the list of curses is actually four times longer than a list of blessings. Why is that? Because God knows our hearts. He just wants us to wake up. He says, don't do this. I want to warn you and warn you and warn you. And for God's people, when they enter the land and things started to go badly and they started to suffer disease and defeats, they should have said, oh, that's right, we've ignored God. They are horrific. Read through chapter 28. There's disaster, there's defeat, there's disease, there's being unsuccessful, there's oppression, there's exile, there's ridicule, there's frustration. So why is this happening? Look at verse 45. All these curses will come on you. They will pursue you. Same word, they will come on you, they will jump on you, and they will overtake you until you're destroyed because you didn't obey the Lord your God or observe his commands. Down to verse 47. Because you did not serve the Lord your God joyfully and gladly in the time of prosperity. There it is. There it is. They entered a beautiful, bountiful land and they got rich and they forgot God. Hmm, that sound familiar? They enjoyed all the rich provision of God, but they ignored the hand of the provider. They lived in a land feasting off God's goodness, but they chose to ignore God himself. Hmm, that sounds very familiar. They forgot God. They disobeyed God. And God says, please don't do this. The curses get worse from verse 48 onwards. There's oppression, there's cannibalism, there's disease, there's exile. Until right at the end, verse 68, the Lord will send you back to Egypt. If you choose to, to persistently disobey, go back to the way that you were before I redeemed you. 
But I hope you know this disobedience, it never works. It never works. I've watched far too many Christians think that the way of the world is better than the ways of God. And they wander and they drift and they're dissatisfied and they're miserable. Trust me, I've tried it. About five years after I became a Christian, I was going through a difficult, dark time in life. And to be really honest, and I'm ashamed to say it, I just thought, stuff you, God. I'm fed up of trying to live life your way. I just want to do my own thing now. So I spent about six months. And I'd pursued lust and I pursued lies and I pursued the ways of the world and I very rarely went to church and I very rarely read my Bible. And I thought it would make me happy. And it never did. Utterly miserable. Lacking joy, lacking peace. Until a good friend said to me, wake up, Paul. Please wake up. And it's almost like when I came back to God, I was just filled with this, this experience of God. It says, oh, welcome home. Like a disobedient child, welcome home. And just to experience that joy and that peace and that forgiveness. And, and just God kept on showering me with these blessings that were completely undeserved. Because that's the kind of God that we serve. He wants to shower you with blessing. It's a depressing chapter in many ways. Because God is saying, here's my way. I want to bless you. But please don't forfeit that. And they do forfeit it. You know your Bibles. All these things happened. Now read the rest of Deuteronomy. Read Joshua. Read Judges. Read Samuel. Read Kings. The people settled in the land. They went through the whole ceremony of building these stones. And they shouted from the mountain. That actually happened. Joshua chapter 8. The mountain blessings and curses. But as time went on, they settled and they assimilated and they enjoyed all the bountiful provision of God, but they rejected God himself. And they experienced disaster and disease and then they went into exile. The Assyrians came and took them to captivity. And then the Babylonians came and took them into captivity. And God's heart is breaking because he wants to bless them. So what else can he do to bless them? i tell you what you can do. You could send his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps they might listen to him. And Jesus stepped into the world. And Galatians 3 says this, that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. All these curses that were promised for God's people are poured out onto the Son of God himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Christ redeemed us in order that the blessings given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. So by faith, we Gentiles might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. That is the blessing. That in Christ, we've got this seed of joy and this peace and forgiveness. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. We're not living in fear of disaster and disease anymore because Christ has paid it all. So how do you apply blessings and curses today? It's not dodgy prosperity gospel. It's not, you know, the more good things to do, the more that God will bless you with health and wealth and prosperity. That is wrong theology. 
Because the flip side of that is if you're not experiencing wealth and health and prosperity, then some horrible people will say, well, it's because you're disobeying God. And that's not always true. Sometimes we go through really, really, really hard, difficult times, not because we've disobeyed God in any way. So how do you apply this? I want to say two things, and I'll finish. As Christians today in Christ... We can still experience what I call God's discipline. It's not curses, because Christ has taken that curse for us, but God loves us enough to discipline us. There are consequences sometimes for our disobedience. When we do the wrong thing, like a loving father, he wants us to grow, he wants us to learn, and sometimes he might choose to withhold something from us. We might not experience peace. We might be wrapped by guilt because God is saying, come back to me, come back to me. And sometimes you do suffer the consequences of sin. Oh, don't mishear me. Your sins are forgiven. They're totally forgiven, but, but you live with some consequences sometimes, broken relationships, hurts and heartache. So as we live the Christian life, you, you've got to learn to ask that difficult question, am I not experiencing blessings from God because of some disobedience? That's a, that's a good question to ask. It's not a simple question, but it's a good question to ask. As a church, sometimes you've got to ask, are we not experiencing the blessings of God? Are we doing something wrong? And many churches are facing decline because Christ is not at the center and the word of God is not at the center or the sin in leadership and they're being disciplined by God. I think that's right today. But remember the heart of God, he wants to bless you. He wants you to enjoy the blessed life. So what does it mean for me and for you to experience blessing today? There are spiritual blessings. In Christ you are chosen, loved, adopted, restored, redeemed, forgiven, indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. Just enjoy all those spiritual blessings every moment of every day. Too many of us are just taking those things for granted. They're the most beautiful Truth is that you are a child of God. Yes, you are. But it's more than that. Now, I know, believe me, I know that the full blessings will only be found in heaven. Yes? Only in heaven will you experience all the true blessings of God. But the Christian life is not just spiritual blessings now and everything else good then. You do get to enjoy blessings now, don't you? Open your eyes as you live obedient life. Open your eyes to all the ways that God is showering you blessings every single day. Now, he provides for you in ways that you could not ask or imagine. Now, this week I got a phone call from somebody at just the right time who listened to me as I sobbed down the phone at them. And on Wednesday night this week, Sam went in for surgery on Wednesday. Someone turned up at the door with his beautiful meal. That is a blessing from God. So open your eyes to see all the way he provides for you on a daily basis, way before what you deserve or ask for. And open your eyes to the way that he blesses you with protection. He stops you from doing stupid things. He removes someone from your path who will be bad for you. That is a blessing from God. He provides a hedge around you and he covers you with his angels and he puts the right people in your path. That is a blessing from God. 
And as you go through life, sometimes you experience this peace, which is so inexplicable because by the world standards, you shouldn't be peaceful, you should be scared witless or worrying, but he gives you this peace. That's a blessing from God. So what am I saying, church? I'm saying this, that I fear that for many of us, we are living a second-rate Christian life because we're just thinking about all the blessings then in the future and you're missing out now. If you're in Christ, yes, of course you have spiritual blessings. Amazing blessings. But it's more than that. God wants to chase after you and shower you with protection, with provision, with peace, with comfort, with courage, with kindness. He's going to lavish you. What's the terms and condition? Just obey. Just every moment of every day say, trust and obey. I want to obey you. I want to walk your ways. That's the heart of God. Let me pray. Pray this blessing over us as a church. May the Lord bless us. And may the Lord keep us. And may the Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious to us. May the Lord turn his face towards us and give us his peace. Amen. I want to invite you to take a moment now just to sit quietly with God and just think of one blessing he's given you today. Just one blessing he's poured upon you today. Thank you, Lord, for your gracious hand that blesses us. And all the people said, Amen.